What's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 174. This is Dave. This is Barry. And we have a very special guest with us this week. Hey, everyone. And who are you? Barry's wife, Julia. There you are. All right. Ethan couldn't make it this week. Um, I, I think it's because he has a very secret crush on our topic this week. That's why. I, I think we're, can we out it as, as, out Amanda Bynes as his new celebrity crush? He's a, you know, we're talkers, he's doers. He's out there stalking her, we're all talking about her. So, Ethan, go for that gold. Go for that dream. There you go. That's that's the way we do it. I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he should be back next week. Before we get to the, the, the filmography, the opus of Amanda Bynes' career... Let's talk about what we've been watching this week. <laughs> what you been watching, sir? I saw a film I really want everybody to see. It's called Sunrise. It's from 1927. It's from F.W. Murnau, the director of Nosferatu. Okay. It's the first American film they ever did. It's a silent film. There's music, sound effects, no talking. Uh, and yet, I don't want anybody to be distilled from seeing this. This is an incredible film. It's famous for its cinematography. It's considered one of the greatest films ever shot, but it's one of the greatest films ever made, I think, honestly. And I think it's a much better film than Nosferatu. The The story goes in so many unexpected directions, but what I'll say is it's about a man who lives in the country. He's got a really wonderful wife, and he's got this really beautiful child. He falls in love with this woman from the city, and he decides, in order to live in the city, I have to kill my country wife. And that's the setup. That's just the first 10 minutes of this movie. So, so it's a movie for, for Grandma and the Kids. You know, it's a love story. That's the weird thing. It is a love story. It's parts of it feel very horrific. Parts of it are really powerful. I've never seen anything like it before, and there's, there's no way you'd ever see anything like it again. Uh, but yeah, Sunrise is an amazing, amazing film. I really, I highly recommend it. It's it's a visually amazing movie. Um, but even despite the fact that it's in black and white and there's no sound, it really is like just one of the most just captivating movies I've seen in a long, long time. Well, it's like when I got to see uh, Metropolis when they were showing it at Shea Artiste up yeah. in Denver. It was just such a, a special. You know, way to see a film. You know, if a film is good, it's going to hold up over time, no matter what. Exactly. So cool. What else have you been watching, sir? What else have I seen? Let's see. Uh, I saw Casa de Mi Padre. With, oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got to say, great film. Great film. It's uh, it definitely has a very limited audience because it's so strange. Not because not because it's in Spanish. Because it's a weird film. My my favorite aspect about the movie, and it kind of sums up just how weird it is. Halfway through the film, this is a mild spoiler. Halfway through the movie, uh, the character that Will Ferrell plays, Armando Alvarez, he gets a white tiger talking spirit guide, and, okay. it's, and it's this tiger that speaks in Spanish to him. This, the tiger is a, is an animatronic puppet from the Jim Henson Company, and like everything else in the movie, it's not a very good puppet. Okay. It's kind of crappy, <laughs> nice. and it's obviously a puppet, and it's that kind of movie. It, it's a very weird, like the humor is really random and weird. Um, it actually ends after the end credits. It actually ends with this scene with Dan Haggerty Grizz, of Grizzly Adams fame, uh, um, hucking his his Dan Haggerty beer. I mean, it, it, I have no idea why that scene is there. Okay. I, I have no idea. I think it's one of those things that Will Ferrell and the cast like that would be so hilarious. It's one of those movies. It's it's. It's kind of like Wet Hot American Summer. Either you go for it or you don't. I, I enjoyed Casa de Mi So, so here, I think here's the real question is when the, when the home video release hits and they do the English dub, who are they going to get to do the dub? I'm thinking like Chris Rock and... That'd be nice. That'd be just nice. Get a completely different actor, so it's not even the same people doing it. I think... I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them pull that gag. The dialogue is so funny um, because it, it, it's so absurd. I mean, they're, like uh, Farrell does have this monologue that he gives... Where I mean, it's this long monologue about everything in life that he loves and how the dirt and everything is connected. But then he has dialogue like, "I am riding a horse" in Spanish. 
So okay, yeah, All like right. he's like riding a horse, and he's and he lets out this 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 Spanish declaration. You see the 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 subtitles. I am riding a horse. It's that kind of film. All right. Wow. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Okay, right on. Yeah. Anything else that didn't come out this week that you want to talk about? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I saw a film. Jules and I saw it. I've been wanting to see it for a while because it's one of these movies, uh, certainly, Dave, you've probably heard this, being in the living in the faith community that we do out here in, in Colorado Springs, A Walk to Remember. Oh! Yeah, it's one of these films yeah, that we yeah. always hear people like, I, I remember especially when I was substitute teaching at a Christian high school, I'd hear all these kids go like, oh man, that's like, that's one of the best Christian movies ever made, hoddly doodly, you gotta see this movie, it's so, it, this movie, <laughs> Why like, did I drink water it's right so there? beautiful, <laughs> <laughs> and we fi- and, and Jules and I finally sat down and watched this film the other night, and, and I, I was not impressed, honestly. Um, and I hadn't seen it since it came out, which was like 10 years ago. Yeah, so it was a, like a new experience yeah, for Julia to watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let me just say that it does get better after an hour. Uh, the, the problem with this movie is the first hour is pretty deadly, and it has a lot to do with the leads. Uh, Shane West stars as this young man who is he's, he's a bad kid from the bad tracks, and he falls in love with this really strange, really strange girl played by Mandy Moore. And she she has a pale complexion. Her hair is very long. She has very wide eyes. And and the way Moore plays it for the first hour, I swear to you, Dave. Like I kept waiting for someone to like drop like a bucket of pig's blood on her. I mean, she's so weird. <laughs> she's such a weird. It's been a while since I've seen it. And she's supposed to be like the you know the the, the you know oh, yeah. the good wholesome Christian girl. But I'm yeah. thinking like I, you know I went to an all Christian high school. I never knew a girl that weird and and that scary in my life. I still don't. Um, and so she's just like there's supposed to be something kind of endearing and sweet about it but I found her to be really creepy and off-putting and he's like playing the bad guy so hard it's like this is such <laughs> he's a trying way too hard yeah well that well inevitably it does get better during the second hour because it kind of drops all the teen movie stuff and just becomes a mushy love story which is what it really wants to be um, and I think and and the the two leads do kind of relax and they generally do have a chemistry together so I think the last half of the movie works even though it's totally predictable Nicholas Sparks but 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 so, he bought her a star. That's the part that I remember. I'm just like, okay. And I can't say anything because, you know, I'm watching with people who are enjoying the film. But I was, really? And to, to, to kind of respond to, to what everybody's been saying about this film, I mean, I think it's a terrible example of a film uh, showing someone with faith. I found her faith, and not to mention her, her father, played by Peter Pike, Peter Coyote, uh, the town preacher, of course, thought it was really kind of hackneyed and kind of forced. And I mean, it could have been anything, let alone Christianity. I don't think there was anything about her faith that was interesting. I thought the fact that she was so creepy was what was interesting about her, honestly. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't find it. I just, you know, it, it's totally, I mean, it's tolerable. I think it's a totally tolerable yeah. movie, but when it was over, it didn't leave me with anything. I mean, you know, I mean, to go with an example, Dave, that we've talked about in the show, I mean, The Second Chance. That is a movie about people of faith who have real problems. They feel like real people. Mm-hmm. They talk about today's church in a way that, that even people who don't go to church would go, that's really interesting. There was nothing about any of the people of faith or not of faith in A Walk to Remember that I thought felt remotely real other than in Nicholas Sparks' land. So. Like, well, I mean, the part I told you was the one part I remember that movie. <laughs> he bought her a star. He did. Okay. He did. Well, she, you know, she's really into, into stars. Yeah, into and One day and, night yeah. she looks up, yeah, and he bought her a star. Yeah. Would that work for you, Jules? No, no, that is super cheesy. So I should like get a refund of that star. Well, you. because when would I ever get to see it? <laughs> well, with your telescope every yeah, night, you your telescope, and you'd become an astronomer. I'd be like, see that one up there, Melancholia, the one that gets closer and closer. <laughs> I bought that for you. <laughs> well, nice, nicely played, sir. I'm, I'm proud of you on that one. I absolutely am. Anything else you want to talk about? 
before we get one, to the big one. One more, because Julia saw this one with me. So, um, so one more. Uh, and another, this one is an overtly faith-based movie called The Mighty Max. Um, oh. Yeah. Is that I, the one with Carla Gugino? Carla Gugino. You know, and, you know yeah. impressive cast, Dave. I Carly... can't remember watching these movies that he's talking about. That's how forgettable they were. They were, they were forgettable. But this impressive cast, though. This is Carla Gugino, David Boreanaz, you know, of Angel fame. Yeah, or Bones. Uh, Oh yeah, exactly. Boom. Yeah, he's yeah, he's still working. And then you got Marley Shelton, you know, the creepy syringe happy uh, nurse in Death in Planetary. Thank you, Planetary. Yes. And then of course uh, Ellen Burstyn, uh-huh. Ellen of Requiem for a Dream, and Alice doesn't. I mean, this is one of the great American actresses playing a nun, you know, who like doesn't sing "Climb Every Mountain," but you're always waiting for her to start singing that. Um, this is apparently based on a true story, though. I seriously doubt it was anything like the way it plays out in the movie where Carla Gugino is, uh, she's a basketball coach brought into this Catholic school and kind of teaches these girls the real way to play basketball. and Yes. And, you know, and yeah. And, uh, yeah, completely one of these movies that just does not inspire at all. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, so, so not very generic. Yeah. Like all the dialogue was pretty much like. Really? There's a, there's a scene where <laughs> she kind of... the best you could do. Yeah, there's a scene where Gugino tortures her her, uh, her players by making them uh, learn drills in a sewer. And it's meant to... It wasn't a sewer, it was a storm drain. Sorry, a storm drain. But it's meant to it's meant to be like that same scene in Miracle where, where Kurt Russell has his guys go, Again! Again! It's meant to be like that. And it, it's, it doesn't... The movie doesn't give you goosebumps, but it really no. thinks it does. <laughs> Yeah, because okay. then the next okay. day, she thinks they're not going to show up for practice, but they, and they do, do, and they're super they inspired do. because they got wet in a storm drain. It's so stupid. There is a token black player, inevitably. There is, like, this one... I mean, this is 1972, yeah. and there is yeah. one African-American female player on this all-girls basketball team. She never has her own voice, never has her own identity. I don't think she says a word in the whole No, movie. I don't think she has any dialogue. It, it, under the credit, is it token? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's ridiculous because, like, I mean, this is, you know, this is after the counterculture revolution. This is after the hippie movement. This is after the women's rights movement and Gloria Steinem. And there's just, like, you never get any sense of any of this stuff. Any, I mean, this movie could have taken place, like, last year, let alone 1972. So. All right, so. Like, real, like, I really know, hope that Blue Light Jazz is good. Yeah. Because I know Me we're all going to go. I, I think we're all going to go up and see I it, right? I really want to see that. I think, yeah. It's like opens Friday the 13th this month, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I'm going up. I'm going to have to go for a Starfest meeting on Saturday, that Saturday. So there you go. We're going to just do that at the same Check time. All right. Anything, any, anything else, or is that you ending on a low oh, note? Yeah, we, had, we watched the yeah. cheesiest movies this week. We really did. Did you like Moonlight Mile? We did watch Moonlight Mile with uh, Dustin Hoffman. Do you remember that one? Dustin Hoffman and Susan Sarandon and Jake Gyllenhaal. Remember that one? Obviously not. It's okay. Oh. It's not. It was kind of a wannabe Cameron Crowe movie. It wasn't bad. It you was... know, I think our listeners need to know that we got a new puppy and I am sleep deprived, so that's why I'm not remembering any of these movies. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. That's okay. I'll, I'll move on. I've only got like four movies to bring up anyway, one of which we both saw. Uh, I saw a documentary on Netflix called Chasing Ghosts. I don't know if you've seen this on there. I've seen it, but I haven't watched it. This is the, the, uh, the video game movie, right? Yes, it's about Twin Galaxies. So if you've seen King of Kong, this is about the magazine and the website that that does all the the keeping track of records and all that stuff. Yeah. And it talks about all of those gamers from back then. So yes, Billy shoot. The one who won the King Kong contest. That yeah, guy's yeah. guy. Yeah, hang on. I'm I'm gonna have to find him here. Hang okay. on. See, I paused it for no good reason. Billy Mitchell. Yeah, he's in it. Um fortunately there's a point in time where I thought that it was gonna become a love fest, like like the Billy Mitchell's really a cool guy movie, but it actually does focus on everyone. So that was very nice. Uh, it's it's very enlightening. It's kind of sad to see uh, Walter Day, the guy who founded it, because he's 
he's clearly pretty much done with doing video games. He, he's essentially doing research to do a book, and then he's going to retire forever because he's like, I'm, I'm kind of done. I need to move on to my music career. Mm. So, yeah. But it's a fascinating watch because it gets into all, all these side characters that you really don't get to know that well in King of Kong. It really gets into them more. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a very entertaining watch, I have to say. Uh, let's see what else I watch. I watched... Oh, you know, he, this is the time of year when you start watching movies. You're like, why didn't I watch this in time for my top ten list? Mm. And I saw Taking Shel- Take Shelter. Oh, Take Shelter. Yeah, I just got that from the library. I've been meaning to watch it. Here, it's terrific. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it can be looked at as, as a slow descent, a study into descent into madness. Uh, it's also moving on what you know to be true and have a gut feeling in your faith about. It's about a wife who deals with what happens with her, what's going on with her husband as opposed to, screw you, I'm out of here. Yeah. It's a lot more human look. Both uh, Jessica Chastain and... Oh, Michael wow. Shannon. Yeah, Michael Shannon are put in stellar performances. The, the film, it's one of those slow boil kind of movies. It's not, you know, holy crap, it's happening. All this stuff's happening. Yeah. The ending is quite interesting. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, obviously, but this is a film everyone needs to see. I had a free Redbox rental, and I'm like, sure, I'll go rent that. And I loved it. Wonderful. It's outstanding. I'm looking forward to it. And then through a lot of working... A lot of proxy servers and things like that. I was able to find a way to legally watch a Machine Gun Preacher. Oh, which is very interesting. Hmm. Um, it, it, it it's oh man, I don't even know quite how to how to get into this. Uh, Sam, shoot, why am I spacing his name so much? The, now, the real guy. The real guy, played by Gerard Butler, uh, starts off as a guy. It starts off with him getting out of prison. This is a film that is very faith-based. Yeah. Getting back in that, that realm. This is so not any kind of movie that you've seen that is faith-based before. Uh, I, because I've never seen a Christian movie that had so many F-bombs in it. Oh, very good. Yes, yes, yes. And and, and sex and other such things. Um, and drugs and killing and stabbing. And... Well, I'll see anything with Gerard Butler. So. Well, there you go. There you go. The, the interesting thing is that this guy is definitely rough around the edges, and the film doesn't shy away from that. There, there's, you know, he for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, he's a guy, Sam Childers, that's his name. Mm. And uh, he, after getting out of prison, really goes down a really dark path and decides to turn himself around and finds Jesus and ends up going to build an orphanage in the Sudan. And what's interesting thing is, is that, yes, his, his faith leads him to do this, but it's, it's not like, and they lived happily ever after. He does some pretty messed up stuff to, to save these kids, and it deals with his very personal struggles still, even while doing all this good work and everything, how he feels abandoned at points and feels alone. And it's, it's really an interesting watch. I think it's worth checking out. It's not, it's not best of the year, but it's, it's really pretty solid. Does it kind of deal with, like... How he thinks violence is like a means to an end, kind of a thing. Uh, no, because he's okay. just like, this is who I am. Okay. No, we're 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 gonna, you know, we have to be ready for these guys to come get us. It's like, what waiting? Let's go take them down. And okay, it's there's some pretty good action. In it, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so comeback performance for for Gerard Butler. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, he's he's really just honest and, and it's a very human role. That's I cool. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, and then I think we need to get around to talking about the Hunger Games since we didn't do a show last week. Yes, we should. Um, we're from two different. Let's get this clear first. I read all three books. I got through them in a week. I couldn't finish the first book, so I thought the writing was so mediocre. So I didn't. <laughs> I didn't finish it. And I said, you know what? I've seen this. I remember when it was in Japanese, and I liked it much better then. I don't think that's fair because they're such two totally different pro- films. But different, different films in terms of tone, definitely an approach. But story wise, I mean, I you know, but th- but then again, it's not just battle royale. I mean, it's also Escape from L.A. Series the Seven, Flies. the Contenders. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects going on here. 
So, uh, it, obviously, most people who've seen it, who want to see it, are going to see it, or have seen it three times, or whatever. Right. Um, what, what was your take on the film? I thought it was kind of flat in terms of Gary Watt, Ross's direction. He did a completely admirable job directing, but I think a more dynamic director really could have made the story come to life. Um, I feel... As I've told you, I felt that because we never get a sense of any of the fear these teenagers are going through, especially mm-hmm. considering that the imagery not only evokes 1984 and Brave New World, but also evokes the Holocaust. These kids are torn from their homes, put into this lottery, and you know, gussied up to be these murderers for the entertainment of the world. And I never sensed that these kids were afraid. I think in real life or you know, even, even just an angle the story kind of missed was that I think these kids would have been suicidal. Uh, I think these kids would have declared uh, pacifism or something. Um, I don't think everybody would have been so gung-ho or so reluctant to do it. And I think uh, the movie really missed an opportunity to show that these kids are real. I never really believed them as kids. Why I would say people need to see the film if they haven't seen it yet, uh, because I think that Jennifer Lawrence and Josh Hutcherson's performances are so strong yes. and so engaging. Uh, the film does come to life numerous times. The sequence that they show often in trailers and and certainly the sequence that's kind of the inciting moment where she does uh, enter the games after embracing Lenny Kravitz's character. I found that that moment has really stayed with me. A very frightening scene. Pretty much any time Lenny Kravitz is on screen, I think the film really comes to life. He's a good actor. Who would have thought? Yeah. 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 And here's my thought. I I know why the film had to be PG-13 because it wouldn't make 200 and some odd million dollars or whatever it's up to now. Yeah. But I think it kind of takes the teeth away from the story. I agree. Because reading through that book, I'm sorry, it's, a, it's, an, R-rated, it's an R-rated film if you're going to translate that to screen properly. Like, there's so much zip cuts around the kid-on-kid the kid violence that I think it really takes a lot of the power away from it. Yeah. You know something that everybody's been talking about that I honestly haven't, didn't even notice, and we didn't even talk about this after we saw the film. Uh, despite the title, we never get the sense that anybody's hungry for anything in this movie. There's no hunger yes. in the Hunger Games. Well, and that's something that one of the characters who's completely glossed over is, is Chris Hemsworth's younger brother playing Gale. Yeah. And the interaction between the character of Katniss and Gale really frames the amount of hunger and how much they, they go without out in the, their District 12 that's you know off in the middle of nowhere and, and so removed from the rest of civilization. The fact that they cut that so much, they could have cut another five minutes from somewhere else early in the movie and given the film that kind of context that it needed so badly. Uh, I think you know there there are several times I'm like I'm enjoying this because I read the book, but I'm like I, I people who haven't read the book are going to be lost in parts of this film. And that's exactly where I was. I was asking you on the drive home like what it, what is this world? Why are the adults dressed like Elton John? What is <laughs> like I, I really didn't yeah. I didn't get what the heck was going on. Um, and just the logic of like why are the games and and I, you remember on the drive home. I mean and, and that, yes he does have an introductory scene, but so many of Donald Sutherland's scenes show him outside hedging. So like on the you know cup. <laughs> doing his hedges so i really thought he was like the yard guy like, not the like, president of the, of the no no of no the not president snow or whatever his name is i, I really like <laughs> I, after a while i thought like is he like some mystical gardener who helps katniss at some point like i really didn't get that he's the leader of this entire he's world her mr miyagi except right. not quite <laughs> yeah it, you know there are a lot of things that the film gets right like the whole thing you talk about the, the people in the capital dressing like El- elton john in the books, I really think it shows just how out of touch these people who are in the lap of luxury are with the rest of the country yeah but they never explain that at all. Right. They just, oh, well, that's just how they dress here. It's, it's, there's more point to it. But at the same time, the film does feel like it's, it's lacking a lot of a, of a central theme or a point, which honestly, until you get to like the third book, I think the series suffers from that just in general. Well, that's a problem for the film. At least for me, it was a real problem mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, it's, it's well over two hours long, and I didn't feel like there was a point. And I think a more dynamic director really could have 
given it the immediacy that it lacks, because certainly once the games start, the, you, the film really does have you. It really is captivating. But I think for the first hour, I just thought, like, man, like, like uh, the performances are, are very uneven at times. Um, well, with it's because all, outside of Hutcherson and, and, and Lawrence. Lawrence, everyone's one-dimensional. Right. Everyone. It's, yeah, and, it's, and I felt, even though I know she's very, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, she nails Effie. Uh, she does. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks is performance felt very peculiar and very off to me mm-hmm. um you know and and even with woody harrelson i felt there was a he's very good in the film but i felt there was a real lack of definition to that there character. absolutely is there, there that was one of my biggest points of contention is that there's a, a reason why that, first of all i didn't show that his character um haymitch is, is a hopeless person who's just given up and is just a drunkard they don't show that very much and then they don't show why he made a turnaround they don't get into the reason of why give up? Because people from my, my district die every year. I'm not going to get invested in, in anyone anymore. I've given up on humanity. And he sees a spark of life with these kids, and so that's why he starts getting you know, involved. Just telling you that probably explains a heck of a lot more about the character. And that took me, what, 15, 20 seconds? Yeah. They could have spent an Again, there's enough dead spots in the film. They could have tightened it up and given that time to just things that actually flesh out the film and flesh out the characters a heck of a lot more. Yeah. Now, the other contestants, they've always been one-dimensional. That's just how it is. And I know I'm I'm kind of harping on the film a lot. I did enjoy it. I think it's worth seeing. It's I've seen it once. And I don't ever need to see it again. I think it's really what it comes down to. I do want to see it again, um, just because of the inevitable expectations I had for the film, and there are moments in it that I thought were very very strong. Uh, but then there's the moments like where the CGI dogs show up. The the special effects for this movie, I got to say, for a film that that was about seventy million or so, I thought the CGI was really poor. The CGI yeah. fire on her, and also the CGI fire in the forest. I thought the, the the special effects in this movie were were really bad for a major big event studio film. Yeah, well, for a film that's made two hundred and fifty one million dollars. Wow, that's two fifty one. That's as much as the original Batman made in its entire run. Although that's that was impressive. 19, that was 1989, though. Yeah. So well, you know. how did Wrath of the Titans only get uh, only get 34 million dollars? We'll get to that in a minute, I'm sure. We will get to that. Okay, so I yeah, that's I think I've spoken my piece about the film. Is there anything you want to add about Hunger Games at all? I, I just you know I, I think this movie the the thing that it's accumulated the most is hype. I just feel like this is the movie that you could not escape from. I almost feel it's, it's like watching the Hunger Games. Those characters in the book, like you have to watch it when it's on. And I feel like. It's it's almost like that for America. The hype has kind of overwhelmed the movie, and I feel like the movie didn't even stand a chance because it is it's kind of a low key film. It is versus all the hype. Yeah. It, oh man, you know it's the inevitable con- comparisons to Battle Royale are just there, and it's just it's such a poor film in every way. I don't think it's even fair to bring the discussion up. And the inevitable Twilight comparisons are there too, and it's a much well, yeah, better is, film than Twilight. Yeah, uh, equally bad special effects, some bad young teen performances, particularly by Hemsworth, who 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 might be a really good actor, but I don't think you get any sense of that in this film. Yeah, it, man, you know, it's 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 the homogenized, Americanized, white-eyed version of. Uh, it's really just trying to make kid on kid violence friendly. I, I mean, it's really messed up to say that. Make it make no, it family it's friendly. True. It's true. We, we well, I mean, look, we've been we've been kind of you know we've been kind of marching towards this the last few years with films like Hannah and Sucker Punch. Uh, you know, Kickass. Yeah, and Kickass exactly. I mean, th- this is like this is the new thing in violence. You know, the, the, this this sick. I mean, it's almost like like you know like chicken fights, or whatever. It's like something that's really taboo. We shouldn't be seeing this, but people, you know, we're 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 here now. We got kids killing kids for entertainment. Okay, so now that I'm all good and depressed, uh, I guess we should go ahead and talk about what 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 hit theaters this past weekend, sir. Well, you've got Wrath of the Titans uh, from the director of Battle Los Angeles and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Beginning, Mark of Quality. This is Mark uh, Jonathan Liebsman, I think. Uh huh. 
And also uh, from Tarsum Singe, a director who I will defend up and down because he directed The Fall. I love The Fall. I love The Fall. This yeah, is also, not so much. But this is also the director of The Cell and the very uneven The Immortals. Uh, his new film is Mira Mira. Gotten better reviews than you'd think. Really? I, I've, it's completely fallen off my radar, so I just yeah. don't. Well, I don't blame it because that initial trailer was dreadful. In limited release, you've got a well, movie we'll definitely be talking about, the Weinstein Brothers releasing Bully. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. You've got Goon, the already a monster hit in Canada. That would be with John William Scott and Liev Schreiber. And then finally, Intruders, a really intriguing and critically acclaimed thriller with, with Clive Owen. It's supposed to be quite unique. Right on. Cool. And I didn't see anything because, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't work out that way. It's not that good. I mean, the next few weeks are not that good. We're you know we're kind of inching towards the summer movies. Yeah, yeah, but you took the bullet. Well, you know, it was, it was the the Pueblo Mesa Drive-in opened up, so I'm all about the drive-in, and yeah, so we saw Wrath yeah. of the Titans. The drive-in experience was way better than the actual movie, <laughs> which is often the case with drive-in movies. But fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Wrath of the Titans. It's kind of like National Treasure too, in the sense that. The production values are excellent. The special effects are great. But when it's over, it leaves you with nothing. It, seeing the movie is the same experience as not seeing the movie. It's just it's a nothing experience. Yeah. Did you feel the same way? I did. I couldn't follow the story. Maybe I was distracted by the dog, but I was like, what is going on first? <laughs> you know, the gods are angry with each other and tying each other up. Then they're working together, and you're like, I don't even know what's happening. Yeah, I, I was fully engaged in the story, and I didn't understand it either. <laughs> So here's the real question. Is it better than the first one? It's on par with the first one. It's just it's just as bad. It's just as impressive. The first film had that scorpion battle, which is a pretty cool scene. I thought the first one was better. Yeah? Because, oh. Yeah, because like the Kraken, that was cool. And the scorpion battle was cool. I didn't feel like any of the battle scenes were really that interesting. I like the battle scenes. I thought the battle with the giant fire monster was really cool. Um, I told Jules there's a visual movie I really loved. It only lasts for like five seconds, but it's so cool. Uh, Sam Worthington, is on his horse Pegasus and they fly literally into the mouth of this giant monster fire creature and he's got this this sword that's glowing and it's inside the esophagus of this creature it's really neat but it's like five seconds yeah yeah so just see in the trailer Um, and as far as (laughs) as far as Worthington's performance goes I gotta say uh uh he did so much to improve over the first film. The first movie, I mean, talk about what a stretch for this guy as an actor. In the first film, he has short hair. Second film, long hair. Okay. All right. That's about the only difference. That's the distinction of the, the performance in both so, movies. So his best performance is still in Terminator Salvation? I would say so, man. Okay. And, and, and you know, there's a scene early in the film where he's being chased by a two-headed dragon. I thought, gosh, this guy's got to be so sick of being chased by CGI monsters. It's like, that's what this guy does. That, that's so sad. And Liam Neeson and Ray Fiennes are back. They're both back in this movie. They thankfully have a lot more screen time than, than Sam Worthington. But here's the thing: like, they're both trying to sell this dialogue like it's Shakespearean, and it's a total failing effort. But you gotta give, you gotta hand it to them. Like, they're really, really trying. <laughs> they're giving it their all. They yeah. really are. But and they don't glow. Remember in the first one, they both were oh, yeah, glowing. They don't glow. I still haven't yeah. seen the first. One. You haven't seen the first no, one. Well, you're not missing anything. Have you seen yeah. the original Ray Harryhausen film? A long time ago. Yeah. That's an awesome film. That's a much, much better film than either of these remakes. I, I totally believe you. I yeah. At least you didn't have to see it in 3D. Yeah, thank God we didn't see it in 3D because apparently it's really headache-inducing. I keep it, reading. It, apparently, every, they say every the, the 3D is on par with the first one. Oh boy. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> well considering that the first remake of Clash of the Titans was kind of the benchmark for bad 3D experiences. You know, all the post Avatar movies that were badly uh-huh. converted, not filmed in 3D. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Well, tell okay. Tell about that kid. 
Oh yeah, oh. I was in li- I was in line at the concession stand at the drive-in. The little uh, teenage boy in front of me, he had to be like a freshman or so, telling his friends like, "Dude, I don't even know what Raph means." <laughs> I, uh, that I'm sums weep- up this generation. Yes, Aww. I weep for the future of humanity. <laughs> that kid rep- didn't know he was representing the entire generation Y, but. Now he knows. Yeah, Thanks a lot, kid. You ruined it for all of there, us. There it is. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about what's hitting home video this week. Uh, Steven Spielberg's Academy Award nominated for Best Picture, War Horse. Mm-hmm. War Horse! Nominated for Best Picture for some reason. Uh, Cameron Crowe's latest, We Bought a Zoo. Um, I got to say, a lot better than you think. It's a great movie. Is it? Yes, it's very cute. Come it's, on. It's very good. It's very, very good. Um, I got to say, like the, if you like Cameron Crowe as much as we do, it really helps. Because it is so whimsically whimsical. It is so whimsically cute. whimsical. In a good way. Okay. Yeah. There's this little girl that has like all these cutesy pie close-ups. And she's like steals the first half of the movie depending on how you she look does. at it. Um, but I got to say Matt Damon is actually very good in this movie. He makes this character that he's playing very credible. I'm sorry. Um, who's in that? Matt Damon. Excellent. We haven't used that in so yeah, long. No, you're on that, man. Good job. Yeah. And Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson actually plays a real character. She's not playing the sexy bombshell. She actually plays a real character. She's very good in the movie. It's a good film. The soundtrack is beautiful, as you'd expect from Cameron Crowe. Cool. Well, now, a movie I know we can all agree on, Being Elmo, A Puppeteer's oh, Tale. Oh, that one's good. So good. That movie's terrific. I'm good. Violent. You liked it. I thought yeah. you were going to diss it. No. It's I was no. going to get ticked. It's such a fine film. It yeah, is. It's, it's so moving and beautiful and inspiring. That's a movie I, yeah. I think would really inspire a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Like, I watched it one morning, and I posted on Facebook and Google+. Plus. I'm like, holy crap, this movie's amazing. Then Steph watched it the next morning. She's like, that movie was so cute. I know. Yes. I think if anyone out there listening is, like, feeling bad about maybe not being able to reach their dream or some goal that you have, just watch it because it's like you'll be inspired. There yeah. it is. It's an inspirational tale. Yeah, definitely. It is. Let's see. On Blu-ray, we get the release of Roman Polanski's Chinatown. It's my sister, my mother, my sister, my mother. Chinatown. Okay. You haven't seen it? It's been a long time. Okay. Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, and John Huston, one of the great thrillers of the 1970s, one of the great films of the 70s. Uh, Madonna, Truth or Dare, directed by Alex Kikishian. This this movie has a legendary scene, and everybody talks about it. It's the scene where Madonna does this amazing concert. I mean, it's really like an incredible concert, and she's backstage. Kevin Costner comes, and this is when Kevin Costner was a star of Robin Hood and The Bodyguard. He was like the biggest movie star in America. He comes up and shakes her hand. He's like, wow, Madonna, it's so cool to meet you. Your concert was really neat. And he shakes her hand as he turns around the corner, sticks the camera, and sticks her finger in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. And you actually see her dating uh, Warren Beatty off camera, which is really interesting too. It's a really great concert movie. It is very revealing, um, and it's as, as sleazy as you'd imagine. But I got to say, if you're a fan of Madonna, it's, it's good stuff. Okay. I'm, I'm and then, 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 then your next movie is one of your favorites, I know. You know, I, I, Cleopatra, it has a reputation for being, you know, like Ishtar or whatever. And financially, yeah. I mean, it was one of the biggest money losers of all time, one of the most expensive films of all time. Uh, I know your, your wife, Stephanie, made an excellent point, And this movie is worthwhile, worth noting, because it has, I believe, it's still in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most costume changes in any mm-hmm. film. Um, although I think Evita might have passed that. But anyway, um, Cleopatra, it's, it's certainly impressive, at least for the first hour. By the time you get to hour three, it's a it's a, it's a real chore to sit through. I think. Yeah, yeah. You kind of yeah. wish the nuke would drop on Rome and and, and, <laughs> and just end. 
And of course, it's you know, and of course, it's a Hollywood movie. So even though it's Egypt, everyone speaks with a regal Shakespearean accent. Yes, well, that, this was the time when when everyone spoke English. Like, right, right. I mean, come on, this is when you had like when Eagles Dare, and you know, Richard Burton walks in and speaks perfect German because you know him and Clint Eastwood. You know, even though everyone speaks English, it's their German is so good that no one can tell that they aren't German. Yeah. Well, you know, we're still doing that though. Like uh, I was talking to my students about this. We were watching Gladiator in my Ridley Scott class. The same thing with Gladiator and Troy and and Braveheart. I mean, everybody's speaking English. Or, they, or at least they're speaking the king's English, you know, which of course is ridiculous. Yeah, I guess Inglorious Bastards just kind of ruined me because of just how well it pulls off. Yeah. And now I think yeah. there's, I can defend the choice to have everyone speaking English in something like Gladiator or whatever because everyone's speaking the same language. Sure. So okay, it's just going to be easier to make it in English, and it's a caveat. But when you have someone with people from so many different cultures, if you have more than one culture, the other culture's language should be subtitled, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. So yeah. you know the one that drove me nuts. Have you seen K19? With Harrison Ford? No. It's a sub. It's a Russian submarine yeah. movie. Yeah, and and you know you got Liam Neeson in the cast, but everybody is speaking clear English. The only one with a real distinct Russian accent is Harrison Ford. Yeah. So yeah. Harrison Ford with a really, really like, really trying very hard Russian accent. Well, Liam Neeson, everybody else is like not even trying. Yeah. They're all playing Russian. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's the last one on your that's list, it? right? Because I have my crap title of the week. Okay. And the reason I want to bring this up is because really this should have gone on my worst of the year list that when we did our worst of, but I think I subliminally blocked even watching it. That being Torchwood Miracle Day, it takes such oh, a yeah. humongous dump all over everything that was good before it, and it's an atrocity. It shouldn't be watched by anyone. It should be burned. Like I read a review, a thing with a star's cha- chairman saying, hey, yeah, we'd love to do more Torchwood. I'm like, the heck you do? That was crap. And it, and it was a TV movie? Was it on Sci-Fi It was a, it, it was a miniseries on stars. Oh, stars. Okay. And Steph checked out, I think, two episodes in, and I stuck it out and really wished I hadn't. It, yeah. And it's just one Hours you'll never get back, Dave. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> How long was it? It was like five or six episodes. Wow, man. No, I may, might have been ten even. I forget. But yeah. It, Sorry, man. I'm just trying not to remember it, but it's essentially it's, hey, I kind of liked that Torchwood. Maybe I should check out Miracle Day. Don't. Don't. Just don't. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah. End with Children of Earth. It's the perfect way to end this series completely and just let it go. They're done. Yeah. All right. I guess we've only got the one news story, huh? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a trailer story I want to jump on. Okay, go for it. Well, uh, the Total Recall trailer. Um, yes. Which I got to say, I, I think it looks like fun. I do. I, I, uh, I'm i one of the few people who liked Len Wiseman's Live Free or Die Hard. I thought he actually did a fine job. It's not the best Die Hard movie, hands down. But, but it's heck entertaining. I think it's very fun. I think he's very good at this kind of movie. His Total Recall remake, I mean, you know, it's funny. It's got the same title font as the original, and the, clearly the recall machine looks identical. But, it, I mean, it looks like Fifth Element. It looks like Blade Runner. It yep. looks, you know, It looks like an amalgam of every science fiction movie we like and enjoy. It looks like fun. I okay. Thought. I'm just kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can go either way. If it's really good, hey, sure, I'll catch it. Yeah. Well, Colin Farrell is Douglas Quaid. Let's face it, that was nobody's first choice for that role. <laughs> so. Well, it's gonna, it will be, he'll be easier to understand than Arnold. So. We, we know the it's interesting. Like on one hand, it's a missed opportunity. They're not going to Mars. It's a missed opportunity because that was such a cool angle. But on the other hand, they're making such a big deal that it's more faithful to the Philip K. Dick story. Well, the Philip K. Dick story, for one thing, it, it's I think it's less than ten pages long. I've read <laughs> it, and it ends. I mean, literally, this is the for those of you who haven't read, uh, we can remember for wholesale. Remember for you wholesale by Philip K. Dick. The story is he goes to recall, slaps into the machine, and they and you learn dun dun dun. He actually already is a secret agent. That's where the story ended. Okay. So you can't really do a movie based on a story that, I mean, it was like a Twilight Zone episode. That was it. Turns out Douglas Quaid is already a secret agent. 
that was it. So all right then. So we'll see what they do. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then th- this is what's really an interesting story because there's so many different aspects to it that are fascinating. Uh, Weinstein Company is putting out the film Bully, a documentary about about bullying. Yeah. Shockingly enough, I think it's very well done. Um, just from the trailer, it just looks impressive as heck. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, the MPAA and their quote unquote infinite jackassery decided to rate it R, even though it's a movie that's really something that kids should be seeing. Yes, okay, it's got some F-words in it. Oh, no. Like, they're not already saying that in real life. Exactly. I hate to go back to the whole faith-based movies thing, but the reason why I've always hated them is because I've always said, life is rated R. Sorry. So, um, Weinstein, instead of cutting it to make a PG-13, has said, screw you guys, we're going to release it unrated. And uh, AMC is going to go ahead and release it for us. They're gonna, we're showing it in AMC theaters. If kids get a permission slip, they can totally see it. Don't care. Doesn't matter. Which is fascinating in and of itself. I think it's, that's a heck of a, a ballsy move. But the really ballsy move is the fact that they're putting a rating on there, just not the MPAA. They're going with, who is it? Darn it. It is from Common Sense Media which is a group that does their own ratings and says this is what's actually age-appropriate from age 2 to 17, pretty much. And they've rated it a 13. Because, you know, it is something that's, you know, for you know a little more mature kids to watch that's actually important. And so they're putting their logo saying it's rated 13 on all of the promotional materials, wow. which is a gigantic middle finger to the MPAA, and I love it. I do, too. I do. I've always felt that it should be a film-to-film basis. You shouldn't say, like... For example, you shouldn't say that American Reunion, which is R, should be in the same category as Schindler's List, which is R, which is in the same category as Rain Man, which is R. It's not the same freaking thing. Mm-hmm. And it's changed over time. I mean, we've we've seen movies that are PG that have the F word. I mean, Big, Spaceballs, Beetlejuice, they've got F-bombs, and those movies are PG. There was well, a there different... was pre-PG-13, though, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, well, right after the PG-13 came out, but... I guess what I'm getting at is just that it, it's so it's so ridiculously inconsistent. Mm-hmm. You got PG-13 movies that are far more violent and far more offensive than R-rated movies. This came out about ten years ago. This argument when uh, there was a documentary called Gunner Palace um, about these about these U.S. soldiers invading uh, uh, Saddam Hussein's empty palace, and it was originally going to be rated R because of a few uses of language, even though it really wasn't an R-rated movie. Um, but this sounds like a real victory against the MPAA because as much as I do, I do respect the rating system because, you know, for Pete's sake, adults do need that kind of, they do need that kind of, you know, signpost for Pete's sake. But, but make uh, it realistic, not something idiotic. I mean, it's, it's exactly. like the, the, the picture I saw on Reddit where it was essentially, you know, kids killing kids, PG-13 for the Hunger Games. Oh, no, we said the F word. It's rated R for bully. Right, right. Yeah. Well, then you get something like like Eyes Wide Shut, which is R. It should have been NC-17 for its violence. And then you have a movie we talked about way too much in the show, but The Passion of the Christ, which I like, but let's face it, it should have been NC-17 for its violence. That is one of the most... I don't care if it's about Jesus Christ. It's one of the most violent movies ever made. It should have been NC-17. Mm-hmm. But because it's R, you kids saw it, and kids got into the theater. That should not have been the case. I would absolutely... What was that documentary we watched? about the rated This dog. film is not yet rated. Yeah. That, Did you and if you haven't that? seen it, you absolutely you need to. need that to is... see that. Just shows the inconsistency that they, the MPAA has with different movies. I love the bit at the end matter. when he subjects, when he, he submits that this film is not yet rated, rated yeah. for a rating. It's freaking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they sneak into the dumpster and they find the review sheets for Memoirs of a Geisha and they're going, oh my God, this movie is PG-13 and according to the sheet, and it's a scene that's in the movie where, where one woman sticks her finger into another woman's vagina. The film is PG-13. Yeah. but And, and like they pointed out in the film, like, well, it's a Spielberg film. Spielberg produced it and all the well, power this guy has. Well, with all due respect, you don't see... 
all of that happening. It well, doesn't happen on screen. Yeah, exactly. it ha- but it does happen. It, it happens, happens, but it it's happens. not like it's not graphic. Yeah. Well, she to be a little more graphic, she inserts her finger into another woman's vagina, smells it, and says, "You've been with a man." That's in a PG thirteen <laughs> movie. I mean, well, that's true. Come on. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I, that I just made Sorry, this I, podcast rated <laughs> NC-17. We just earned an explicit I tag. Guys. I no, 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 no. You said it in very clinical terms, so it's okay. Thank you. That's okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, okay. You know, wow. Should we just move into our topic? Sure, sure. All right. Let, let's skip the ad this week. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the good folks at Audible. Hey, if you like Audible, if you like audiobooks, check out audibletrial.com slash screengeeks. They've got a heck of a lot of amazing books. If you have a long commute or anything, I mean, they've got books that are like 16 hours long. You can get one for free. You get, you actually get a 30-day trial. You get 30 days to figure out which book you want. And I, I think they're worth getting just in general just because it's it's actually read a lot of times by the, the author or by, they'll get a great actor or someone yeah. like that. It's a heck of a good time. Um, you'll, and you'll help out the show too. So, yeah, audibletrial.com slash screengeeks. Thus ends our ad. All right. All right. Um, so Ethan brought up this idea. Because I, I guess she's his celebrity crush. I'm guessing, I told Jules, my theory is that Ethan is trying to sabotage ScreenGeeks.com. And so he's coming up with these topics that are gonna basically going to have the foundations of ScreenGeeks come tumbling down. Hence, this week we're talking about the films of Amanda Bynes. I actually, you know, because I knew come the question. In, in all reality, Ethan, Ethan has a paper that he has to write, and it's just it's, it's, it's eating him alive. So I asked him, like, look, the question's going to come up. Why an Amanda Bynes episode? And here it was. Here's his answer. I think I was browsing something on the internet, and She's the Man came up. So I was like, why not? So there, there, there's the true origin of the episode. <laughs> All right, there you go. So uh, I'll. how do we even tackle this? Well, we could, I guess, start talking about her first film, which I actually haven't even seen. Has anybody here seen Big Fat Liar with Paul Giamatti and no. Frankie Muniz? No. No. Yeah. no, I thought it was Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It was actually Frankie Muniz. Was it? Okay. Yeah, Agent Cody Banks himself. Yeah, I've, right ne- I've never seen I've never seen a Frankie Muniz movie in my you life. Never, you never saw Agent Cody Banks is actually worth watching. Is it really? I think it is. I, is it a good the it's first kids one? Or, okay. The first one is good. It's like a kid's version of James Bond. Okay. Like, it's, it's, it's actually pretty decent. The second one sucks balls. Really? Just to pot, just to be blunt, it is an awful, Asian awful Cody movie. Cody Banks too sucks balls. They should put that on the back of the DVD box. <laughs> yes, yes. They should definitely quote Screen Geeks on that. But the first one is really entertaining. Okay. It, it's absolutely worth watching. Okay. So okay. Well, anyway, she was in a Frankie Muniz movie. How did we get to Wow? Okay. Big Fat Liar. But I guess we could just jump to her first film, which is What a Girl Wants. Which you know, it, it poses such a fascinating question. As soon as I saw the title, I'm like, I have to know what does a girl want? She wants to find her dad. Yes, exactly. I just remember when the film came out and Julia pointed out this interview to me that apparently like reporters said like why isn't the Christina Aguilera song in the movie because of course get was, the rights of course well apparently her official answer was the movie is it's so much more than that it's not about that <laughs> <laughs> Dave can't even contain himself over here what a girl wants stars Amanda Bynes is a young woman who goes to Europe to meet her dad and of course the second she gets to London of course imagine what's what plays in the soundtrack London calling you know, that yeah famous yeah it's like the biggest cliche in movies yes yes but here, here's the thing it's not a bad film no her father is played by Colin Firth who is very charming in this yes movie. he is way entertaining in that yeah. film I mean it's it's absolutely Steph put it perfectly she's like this is a girl fantasy movie totally yeah, definitely 
it's but the it's best done. case scenario of like like who's my daddy and finding out oh it's Colin Firth living in yeah. here in a and, mansion yeah. and, he's and the rich. random guy that you meet is not actually a stalker you know serial killer who who just pretends to work behind the bell desk but of course he has one of those accents that makes him so irresistible to the ladies <laughs> yeah there it is yes <laughs> Ridiculous movie, and Jonathan. Of course, Jonathan Price is the bad guy. Of course, but Poor he, Jonathan he's Price. so mustache twirlingly awesome. Yes, he is. It's <laughs> it's not a movie. Here's the thing: it's a harmless movie, and I can't hate on it. I really can't because I I was thoroughly entertained by that movie. It is especially it is when mom shows up and <laughs> it's on. Yeah, Kelly Preston, man. Poor, poor Kelly Preston. She's such a good actress, and she keeps getting stuck in the mom roles in movies like this. She was also the mom in Jack Frost. she's a hippie mom in this. That's right. That's so, right. you know, yes. a little more personality. My favorite, i got to throw this out. My favorite scene in the movie, and you could see it in the trailer. You don't have to watch the movie to get to it. My favorite scene in the movie is where Colin Firth basically gets in touch with his his youth and puts on his hippie pants, his oh black gosh, leather, leather pants, pants. and yes. starts dancing in front of the mirror. It's in the trailer, folks. If you want to see this movie, that's the best part of the movie. Is the whole thing where his fiance comes in and everything? Right, right. Okay. And then, yeah, and then he stops for a moment, then he starts dancing again. Yeah, it's a funny, funny moment. Best scene in the movie. Now, now here's the funny thing. We're talking about all these things that are great in the movie. We haven't even mentioned Amanda Bynes, oh, really. Right. We haven't talked about <laughs> right. Remember, she is in this movie. Um, that's right. Just thought I'd throw that out Come there. Come on, Amanda Bynes, she's just, I she's love adorable. her. She's, she's just cute. You yes. know, she's not afraid to be silly on screen, which is why I love her. She mugs for the camera. She totally she, does. She mugs she's quite well. It. She really yeah, is. She does. She's definitely a child of like those those kind of Nickelodeon sort of you know yes. sitcoms and yes, but it, it's fun. I you know I, if someone said they liked the movie like like Julia does, I do. Although I I think it's fun. I Steph called me out so hard on this movie because I was like, what do you mean they have the full frame version of this movie? I'm so disappointed. <laughs> She's like, wait a minute. We're getting ready to watch an Amanda Bynes movie, and that's what you're going to bring up. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. Well, although, well, confession, Stephanie. This was at the $5 bin at Walmart. There you and, go. Uh, Julie really wanted it. I'm like, well, you know, I could either pay $18.95 for full, for, you know, the widescreen. Wide, wide but no, instead, I settled for full screen. You, so. you, you, I think you're doing okay without that, that third of the screen. Yeah, I don't think like I'm missing, like, oh my gosh, an eighth of the movie is I'll never see. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not okay. a film that's shot in running thirds by Michael Mann or something. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay to get away with. Uh, <laughs> but it is, it's a sweet movie. It is. Absolutely. It is. It is okay. And are we coming up to the. the... Not yet. No, okay, no. We're actually going to stop at Robots. Have you guys seen Robots? Robots was good. That was the Will Smith. No, no. You're thinking of Shark Tale. Robots was with. Uh... Oh, you're thinking of iRobot. No. I, I, I know what you're talking about. I thought he was in it for some reason. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Robots is with Hugh McGregor. That's right. Yeah, Hugh McGregor. I've got IMDb right here, too. Robin Williams. Well, I, I have. Uh... Leonard Maltin's book. Leonard Maltin's authoritative book. It's Ewan McGregor, Halle Berry, uh, Robin Williams, Greg Kinnear, Mel Brooks, Drew Carey. What an amazing cast. Jim, Jim Broadbent and Amanda Bynes. It I've takes, seriously never even heard of this movie. I think we watched it together. I don't think you remember, but it was it was it came out in two thousand five. It's really charming. It's in this robot world. And Paul Abdul. And Paul Abdul. And Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> Wait, okay, Jim Broadbent. There's a good name. Okay, there you go. Okay, yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. It's an all CGI comedy, and she's got she plays this this Twitter paid little robot, and it's it's very charming. And I thought it was a pretty cool movie, actually. It's from the guys who did Ice Age, and it's one of the better. It's really one of the better Fox animated movies. And thankfully, no sequel. It's it's a standalone film. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Wow, this is a really impressive cast. Yeah. Robin Williams, Stanley Tucci, Tobolowski's in it. Yeah, and Williams is actually pretty funny in the film. Actually, this is this is <laughs> wow. Jay Leno. Like, there's your winner right there. Jay Leno. Diane Weist. Wow, this is like a really freaking packed. Yeah, it'd be amazing if it was a live action film. They were all together, but no. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but still, that's that's a lot of money to put into voice talent. Yes. 
So, so okay, so so, so robots. Anyways, so good movie, robots. We could jump. Okay. We could go right to she's the man. The one that I couldn't get. <laughs> my I, gosh, that's like my favorite one. <laughs> I, okay, caveat time. I'm. I like comedy. I don't like cringe comedy. In like 15 minutes in this movie, it was getting unbearable. Like as soon as like she like goes to talk, I'm, she goes to the school. I, this is gonna go nowhere good. This 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 you is. You missed the best part. You didn't get seen in the David Cross stuff. No. He is awesome. David Cross does walk away with the film. And okay. It's, it's not saying this is a very easy film to walk away with, obviously. Uh, but David Cross, <laughs> I, it, like, it appears that he improvised all of his dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, like he just randomly starts singing the theme of the of the school. Okay. Uh, and in another scene, he appears for no reason at all in a beekeeper outfit. It, it's it's yeah. very random and very funny. He's it's like very the David principal Cross. of the school, but he like hands out the food at the cafeteria. He's gardening. I mean, he's just silly. It's very goofy. And then this is the one film that really made me think. You know, Channing Tatum might be really good at comedy. He's quite good in this film. It's a it's a farcical role. Uh, he is her roommate, who is on one hand he's in love with the real her, but doesn't realize that she is the girl. He thinks that she is the man. The man. Yeah. So he's <laughs> under the impression that this is his male roommate. Um, I think that's another thing. Like Amanda Bynes is terrible as a male in this totally. movie. I mean, there's there's that's never why it's so funny. there's never any question that, that 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 it's a girl with a squeaky voice with her hair pinned back. It reminds me of this is the closest I've ever gotten to be able to handle this kind of thing. Is there's a Futurama episode where where Leela the, the Earth goes to war and it's a man's only army. So Leela dresses up as man, and Zat Brannigan starts questioning his sexuality because he's so attracted to to Leela. Nice. Until he finds out it's Leela, and he's like, "Oh, okay, good. That's about as close as I've gotten." To, but it, I, as soon as she talked, I'm like, "I, I can't roll with this. I'm, I'm not going to be nice, and and it's going to hurt too much to get through this movie." I really hated this film the first time I saw it because, I, because my wonderful wife loves this film so much. I've seen it a few times, more than a few times actually, and and for me, it's like a John Waters film because it is. <laughs> It is so awkward and random, and the yeah. casting is so like Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones, yeah. who, is, who is you know king of the badass, you know playing the girl's soccer coach, which makes no sense that a guy that badass would be playing a soccer coach at a high school. Um, but like he's quite charming in the film, and there's not one but two scenes where nudity is involved to reveal the big, the big, you know, the big secret. Sc- yeah, uh-huh. the big secret. Yeah. So like she. She flashes her teammates. She flashes the entire school at the same time. It's like, it's like a moment right out of the, the 80s comedy, just one of the guys. Um, and it's every bit as tacky and in bad taste, And but it's supposed to be touching. Yeah, this movie is... Boobs equal empowerment. Didn't you know that? Apparently. I think it's it's a bad film that's very entertaining. I'll go yeah. that far. For me, I it's, mean, it's yeah. almost it's a guilty pleasure. But no, I, I agree with you, Dave. Amanda Bynes, like... Her her performance as a man is so dreadful. <laughs> it's dreadful. Okay, so so come I come on. Really... If you just want to laugh, it's a feel good movie. <laughs> a feel good movie. Yeah. I'd say that's going to be the next movie we're going to talk about. Honestly, <laughs> I have lost all credibility. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Well, the one I want to mention, um, which you might not have in your list, and, and uh, it's okay if you haven't seen this. Few people. Have I did seen not it. see it. Uh, Love wrecked. She did a film called Love Wrecked uh, for Randall Kleiser. Randall Kleiser is the director of The Blue Lagoon and Grease. She did this film called Love Wrecked, and I think Chris Hemsworth is actually it was it, it's Chris Hemsworth or Chris Pine. She's got a really famous co-star who wasn't famous when he did the movie. If you could look Chris at Carmack. It. Chris Carmack. Yeah. Why oh, take it back? Who who the heck is that? Anyway, Jonathan Bennett. Yeah, there's Jamie Lynn Sigler. There's your, your other big name. Okay, never mind. All Fred right. Willard's in it. Oh, I like Fred Willard. As is Lance Bass. 
Yes, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I found the name. Okay, got it right here. Alfonso okay. Ribeiro. Yeah. That's oh, there the, you go. There you go. Okay. Good no. stuff. Yeah. So Fresh we don't. Yeah. Love Wrecked has a great idea for a movie. It's about this this girl who's going on this class trip with this high school boy that she loves so much and always wants to get with him. Well, they're they they get shipwrecked on this island, and it's just the two of them, and she knows that it's a tropical resort. She makes him think that it's like castaway and they're the only two on an <laughs> island that they have to like survive and they have to like get coconuts together and he has to run around with his shirt off and you know it's like it's a really funny idea for a movie and the movie totally botches it it's really bad yeah it is bad it was supposed to be her big follow up after she's the man and what a girl wants and by the way what a girl wants and she's the man both hits both successful movies mm-hmm. so love wreck was supposed to be like her big you know and, and it went straight to DVD and you and no question why and it's a funny idea for a movie and they just totally blow it. All right, then. Wow. It's okay. As soon as I said, I'm sorry I haven't brought up Alfonso Ribeiro because now I'm thinking of, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube commercial. It's a commercial on YouTube for him selling a breakdancing instructional book and oh record and Matt. Oh, it's amazing. I'll have to wow. show you afterwards. It's, it's outstanding. Like to see that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. I'm, uh, getting, I'm getting sidetracked too easily today. Well, let's talk about Hairspray. And I, that's the one I have not seen. Oh, it's, not, good. it's okay. good. Oh, yeah. And, good. and it's not good because of her, though. <laughs> I mean, what I remember about her character is her chewing gum a lot. And she's one of these characters who kind of, I mean, Hairspray is a film about about embracing counterculture change. And, of course, it's about the civil rights movement in a really bubbly, fun way. I mean, it's not a heavy-handed movie at all. It's totally light and cute and silly. Uh, but her character is one of the white girls who embraces the fact that they're African-Americans and are missed. And, you know, and, and she basically uh, admits that she does have a huge crush on this African-American boy that she loves. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a real small supporting role. I mean, this movie belongs to... Zach Efron. Yeah, Zach Efron, James Marsden, John Travolta. I mean, there's a lot of really good actors. And, uh, of course, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. A lot of good people who are in their element. And she's she's fine in the movie. It's not a it's not a great performance. Okay. It's not her mugging in her own feature film. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but we can move right on to Sydney White, the original title of which was Snow White and the Seven Dorks. Which I thought was so cute. I I didn't hate this movie at all. <laughs> I did. Did you? No, I don't. I don't like this. You like one. she's the man more. I like she's the man a lot. Whoa! Yeah. Okay. I would never watch Sydney White again. Because I thought it was kind of a return, a quote unquote return, return to form, to form. <laughs> from from what a girl wants. So, yes, yes, I just said return to form. What? Okay. The man divines. <laughs> yeah, but I thought you know it's. It's very much part of it. You know, it's 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 just taking a giant dump all over the the fraternity system, and sure. all these people are superficial. I mean, it's again girl fantasy, but mm-hmm. I thought it was entertaining still. And I thought all the dorks that she lives with, I mean, they were really charming. You know? In a Big Bang Theory kind of way. Yeah, yeah. totally. I totally. thought they were less insulting than Big Bang Theory, but again, I'm yeah. <sighs> This is like if I get to interview Will Wheaton at Denver Comic Con, I'm I'm gonna have to say, dude, okay, help me understand what why should I give this show another shot? Because I just can't get into that show. But this was actually, you know, it was a lot. You know what? We're a lot of it's because these dorks are in college and they're still figuring out who they are. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, thirty somethings, well established in life, still holding on to their childhood. So yeah, yeah. yeah but I mean, I but still I hold on my childhood. I've I've got a Green Lantern figure at my desk, so I'm not gonna, you know, I'm. I'm totally in that crowd, so I don't know why it didn't click with me. But I, I actually clicked with this more than I did with Big Bang Theory, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I really think don't it's wanna, a sweet yeah. love story. I mean, she's like totally... Oh, no. Oh, come she's on. going to Malton. I mean, you oh. know, she grows up without a mom. Let's see what Ben thought. she goes to college to like get in touch with, this, with her Okay, now mom. I have to look because I'm curious. I'm come curious on. what he had to say. Two stars. Wow, that's a generous two stars. Sarah Paxton's the star. Of course, the star of The Innkeepers, Sarah uh-huh. Paxton. 
Who else is in this? Contemporary tag against Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Freshman Bynes is rejected from her deceased mom's sorority by its president, who is also the popular girl on campus. The outcast is then taken in by an unofficial fraternity consisting of seven quote-unquote dorks. Soon she finds herself challenging her own university's elitist Greek system, increasing her popularity and finding her very own Prince Charming. Harmless, somewhat amusing, but best suited to loyal fans of Vines. Which is me. There you go. Okay. Which is what this show is about, kind of. There, there, there you are. It's, it's actually an episode just for Julia. We didn't know it at the time, but that's, that's okay. Happy birthday, honey. Thanks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's, you know, it, again, I really can't hate on it. It's it's a cute film. I can't. It's, okay. I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was just... This is the one. I mean, you're talking about a movie that made you cringe. This this movie for me was just a cringe. Fest. But John Schneider's in it. He is in it, and he's pretty decent in it. He is actually. He's kind of the yeah. He's he's the cool dad for sure. And she has comic books. Come on, she's a dork. She has comic okay. Books. I will. I will books. absolutely admit that whole thing. I'm a dork thing at the end hurt. I will absolutely. Oh admit yeah, that. that's why Barry didn't like it. What did you say? It reminded you of of what? What did I like say? Like Revenge of the Nerds or something. Yeah, yeah. The end where everyone admits that yeah. they're dorks. And- yeah, no, because I think Revenge of the Nerds just dealt with that because they really were cool. I feel like these guys didn't really go through a journey other than having a really attractive girl in their midst. I don't think that's, I don't think that's turning a corner having a, a cute girl in your midst. You know. Well, maybe it wasn't about them; it was about her. But this is supposed to be Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It's like the dwarves know, didn't need Snow White. About- she, need, you know, it's supposed to be about. The original story, remember the original Snow White, where where like the dwarves don't need her, she needs them. In this case, I feel like it was like, like okay. the point of it. I, I can see she that. didn't need them, or she would have been homeless. The whole Snow White, <laughs> the whole Snow White analogy is so paper thin. Like yeah, it's hanging on it by is. a thread. It is. It, is. it really it is. is. I will absolutely admit that it's. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's okay. really more about her realizing she doesn't need to be a part of her mom's sorority to get in touch with her mom. Hmm. There you go. There you go. And I would have to agree with you begrudgingly both of you that uh, it's better it's a it's in dealing with the idiocies of greek fraternity life mm-hmm. it's stronger than it is as a comedy okay fair enough <laughs> i'll be watching it again <laughs> well you have it back so it, it is all yours yes oh, boy. well let's talk about the one i know you really liked a lot i think i think both of you like this movie a lot better than i did which of course easy a in 2010 i didn't even realize it was the same person Really? Yeah, because I saw that Easy A was the first Amanda Bynes movie I ever saw. Which okay. character does she play? She was the, 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 the stuck up Christian girl. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. So it, I thought she, it's, it, seeing these films in context, really, she's, she's trying to break that mold and that typecasting for sure in that film. Well, you know, having earlier mentioned Mandy Moore in Walk to Remember, a character that I. Did not know, have never encountered, and hope to never encounter. Uh-huh. I certainly encountered the man uh-huh. who binds character in Easy A in my life. Absolutely, yes. So that's that's kind of like it hurts because it's it's. I mean, they definitely go over the top with it, mm-hmm. but at the heart, I, I think it's a, a fair a fair caricature. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think she played it quite well. I mean, yeah, she's very good in the film. She's a good foe. She's for, a great foe foil film. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's. I think when she plays supporting characters. She kind of is a stronger actress. As a lead, I think sometimes she's trying way too hard. Which is why I like her, because I feel like she... She's a, just she's so perky and, yeah, and, and full of... Yeah, she's not afraid to just do anything. Yeah, she's Like, she's perky. really not. She's, she's spunky. That's yeah, what she is. she is. Yes. She'll, but she'll do anything on camera. But I think when she's in a supporting role, you get to see her as a real actress. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, no, I think she's great in it. It's, it's, it's kind of odd seeing her in such a 
drastically different role. But sure. yeah. And that's okay. it for her. Yeah. Because okay. uh, after this film, she decided she wanted to retire from acting. Really? And we'll see if mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see she'll if she sticks to back. that. Yeah, of course she'll come back. Don't call it a comeback. Well, what what else the heck is she going to do? Years. Yeah. But, uh, but, what yeah. else is she going to do? Come on. Well, well, she's all got, she can do is act. She's not going to like mug and like you know be all cutesy poo to the guy at like Starbucks. I mean, she's got to make money somehow. So there maybe an album, or maybe you know, she'll make a series of like she'll, she'll, wood she'll, carvings. Or? She'll do a duet <laughs> album with Walter Day from Twin Lake Galaxies. That's what's going to happen. There you go. Yes. Or it'll be like uh, like the Shatner album that he did with Ben Folds Five. Yes, it's like a has been. Album. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes. You know, I have to say that was the one thing I was going to mention. But Amanda Bynes is Amanda Bynes. I have no idea. Where nice. That, I don't know. Abandoned Minds. <laughs> I don't know. It's we don't have the the requisite music quote unquote career from a teen movie star. That's, That's true. kind of interesting. Yeah, that is true. I don't know if I, I don't, and I, I don't know. I didn't do my homework. I don't know if she's actually sung anything on a soundtrack before that we can. I'm, I'm yeah, looking to see know. if she has a website. Maybe, just maybe in hairspray. Maybe in hairspray. She yeah. Yeah, she she does sing a song in there of okay. some sort. Yes. Hmm. And she doesn't have a website. It doesn't look like she does have a Twitter feed. Okay. All right then. Wow, for a fan, I feel like <laughs> oh, I am. There's bindsource.net. There you go. Well, it seems like she's she's kind of. Kind of really, kind of dropping out from the, you know, from the from the spotlight and trying to, yeah, kind of find who she is, and, you know, focusing on life and education, you know, which is great as opposed to like, you know, a certain Miss Lohan who hasn't done a movie in some time, but you know, everybody is all too aware of what she's doing, other than mm-hmm. her entertainment career, which is unfortunate. It could be that she needs to get a little time away to, in order to break the typecasting too. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, because clearly no one is pining for she's the man too. I Electric am. Boogaloo. <laughs> Well, Julia, she, she's yeah. going to be part of a breakdancing team in the second one. Yes. You can write your fan fiction version of it, Jules. You could write your screenplay for She's the Man oh, too. Oh yeah, what what is that um, fan fiction when you write about how you want people to get together? The erotic version? No, they talked about it in Entertainment Weekly. You could do it. Oh, there is a version. slash that I know of, and that's all very. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the kind of we always see at Starfest, no, where it's, it's like, what that. if, what it's if Captain that. Kirk and Spock went into the holodeck <laughs> together alone? No, it's called something, but I can't remember. Something freaky deaky? No, but it doesn't have to be freaky. It could just be generally like, speaking, though. Well, no, I uh, guess generally Sorry. maybe it is. Freaky, That's obviously the type that Dave and I know of. Obviously, <laughs> clearly, I I don't I need to monitor your internet more. <laughs> I guess so. Well, no, like like Supernatural did a gag about it, where like they find out. Whole long sort of set of circumstances. Their li- entire lives have been put into a series of books, and they find out about it. And one of them's like, "Yeah, so apparently people write stories about us too, and in them we're together." <laughs> and 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 they just stare at each other. And the guys, the other guy, it clicks. He's like, "But we're brothers." <laughs> uh, apparently that doesn't matter. So it's yeah, yeah. That's it's funny. that's generally when you get to that kind of thing. Yeah, shippers or whatever. Shippers. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes. It's still. It's no, Should, but it's not. I've never even heard of the shippers. It, it was, there was an article in Entertainment Weekly about it. That's the only reason I know. As in, like when, Starship Enterprise? Is that what it's called? As in, like, relationship. Yeah, oh, relationship. Sh- oh, relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have heard that expression before. Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't have to be, like, erotic it, or. I understand it doesn't have to be. I'm saying what it usually is. Okay. <laughs> and then correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to get, like, emails Slash about is this. usually people of the same gender hooking up. So, yeah. Shippers, okay. is, isn't that from uh, the X Files? Is people who wanted Scully yeah, they and would, Mulder to have a relationship, yep. yes. hence the, yes. hence so the they would write yeah. stories about them getting together. Right, okay, I have heard this term. it doesn't always term. have right. to be, like, weird stories. I know. Again, I understand it doesn't have to be. I'm saying what it usually ends up being. 
I, I won't be writing any shipping stories. <laughs> <laughs> they, even, they even addressed ship it, shippers in a castle episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The, the, the episode with the, uh, the, the daytime soap. Yes, which I love Castle too. Yes, yes. Have we ever okay. have we talked about that yet? We have not had a Castle we episode. We should do that. <sighs> oh, maybe maybe we will. Maybe we will. I'm sure Steph would get on that one for sure. Because if anything ever happens to Barry, he knows I'm going after Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan Fillion, Gerard Butler, Colin. No, Firth. Nathan Fillion is the number one. Oh, he's the number one mm-hmm. now. He's been replaced. He's wow. the nicest in real life. I think. The nicest. And he has and, and he did the episode with the, the steampunk arm and yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, let's let's. let's I think we've we've talked enough about Amanda Bynes. I think oh, we, we're Amanda done. Bynes, how we mourn for your career. <laughs> no, she's very she's talented. She's she's adorable. I'd like to see her come back and do something different. That would be cool to see her. Yeah, yeah. like like something. She'll really, be in the next Aronofsky film. There you go. That would be wild. Yes. Hey, I mean, like when 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 Marlon Wayans starred in Requiem for a Dream. Not, uh-huh. to, men- not to mention Jennifer Connelly. I mean, that was a that was a shock. Yes. Exactly. And and the star of my so-called life, you know, Jared Leto. I mean, who the heck would have thought? So mm-hmm. you never know. There you, you go. Know. You never know. All right. Never know. Um, I doubt anyone's going to have any feedback. But hey, let us know if you love you some Amanda Bynes. It's all good. <laughs> um, and don't hate till you watch it. <laughs> Then hate. Then, then hate. hate. Then yes. you can there, hate. There you Legitimately. Go. There you go. All right, let's talk about what's hitting theaters this week. Well, part four of the American Pie saga, and is this is not the Naked Mile or any of those straight-to-DVD abominations in which only Jim's dad appeared. Those yes. do not matter. Eugene those Levy. are not a part of the American Pie world. No, no. We have American Reunion coming out with the whole cast, including Shannon Elizabeth returning. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I, I love the American Pie movies. I do. And, and for one, one, one reason only, it's Stifler. It's all about Stifler. He's always hilarious. Love me some Stifler. And then meanwhile, you've got James Cameron's Titanic. I wonder if anybody's heard of this film. Coming back in 3D IMAX, and I will be and taking Barry Julie to has, see it. had to promise to take me to see this because I won the Oscar pool. That's right. I forgot Woo! about that. Yes. Well, Julia has not forgotten, unfortunately. I have not forgotten. <laughs> Thank you for, for forgetting, Dave, because Julia has not. So see, I, if they do it in 2D, if they do a 2D screening, I might go see it because I still haven't seen the film. You've never, never seen nope, Titanic? never, never. Oh my gosh, you Here's guys the thing. go with that. I hadn't seen it because I was not a Leonardo DiCaprio fan at all. And by the time it was like, well, maybe I should see it, the hype was so high. It was like when I saw Forrest Gump and hated the developing crap out of that movie. Yeah. It's just not <laughs> fair. So I'm, if it's in 2D, I might, I might as well see it in the theatrical experience. I don't care if we see it in 3D or 2D. We're just going to see it in the theater. See, I just saved you five, ten bucks right there. Sweet, because I thought I had to take you to see the like, IMAX 3D. No, with we can just see the regular the special glasses the Continental that, with the Uber screen. Yeah, with the special glasses that have Leonardo's face on the no, lenses. No, because I've been telling him I want to watch it at home because it's been a long time since I've seen it. And he's like, I've already seen that movie. Which is like, when was that? Seeing Titanic on the small screen is like seeing Dances with Wolves or 2001 on the small screen. It is not the same okay, thing. It's so meant to be seen on the big screen. He has to take <laughs> so me now to I get, Well, hey, you know, I, you know, but hey, there is that scene. There is that scene with Kate Winslet in 3D on the giant screen. See, here's so the I, thing. I do have something. To when I saw the trailer, I saw the part I needed to see, which was the guy falling off and smacking on the rail. <laughs> Going bonk as he hits no, the, yeah. hitting propeller. the propeller. Well, no, I'm talking about there's a spot where a guy falls off from the back and hits a rail and just kind of goes, bam, and goes tumbling down. I was like, well, I'm good. But no, I I will probably, if it's in 2D, I will probably see it. And I'll be honest, it is a good film. It is. It's very well made. The problem is the screenplay is terrible. James Cameron wrote this film as well as directed. And as we know, James Cameron is much stronger as a director than he is as a dialogue writer. With the exception of maybe The Abyss and True Lies, most of his screenplays are pretty, pretty poor. And... This is the the dialogue is terrible. The love story is hackneyed. Billy Zane literally plays a mustache twirling villain. Literally, uh-huh. um, 
and it doesn't need to be three hours. Though I gotta say, it does move very quickly for a three-hour film. Yeah, it's it's worth on. seeing for the spectacle that it is, but it, it was not the best picture of 1997. That would be L.A. Confidential. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. Okay. All right, what else we got? We got limited release. We're, going on, we're getting sidetracked so easy today. It's great. I love well, it. <laughs> this is what you miss out on, Ethan. Yeah. In limited release, you've got Willem Dafoe as the hunter. Uh, Comic-Con episode four, Fans Hope, looks like a very cool documentary. It looks interesting, yeah. up our alley. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then in limited release, we also have ATM, about three teens who are stuck in an ATM booth. This is kind of like, you know, phone booth or cellular, except with an ATM booth. Okay, then. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's the picture. <laughs> okay. well, apparently, this well, there's a serial killer outside waiting for them to come out, and apparently, you think, okay, is it just going to be a standoff for ninety minutes? Apparently, there's more to it than that. Because I love cellular. So it was good. anything like that. Did, did you see Phone Booth no. with Colin Farrell? It was good. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. One of the better Schumacher films. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's go ahead and move on to what is hitting home video this week and wrap this bad boy up. In home video, you've got Meryl Streep as Margaret Thatcher in The Iron Lady. I think we're seeing for her amazing performance and some really good scenes, but it's a really flawed film. Did you see this one? No. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a wraparound. The first 20 minutes are like, the, I want to fall asleep. It's got a wraparound story where she's in old age makeup and she's talking to the ghost of her dead husband played by Jim Broadbent. <laughs> it's as awkward as it sounds and it just doesn't the help. The whole movie is if a that's not a win, I don't know what is. And then more flashbacks. Yeah, too many flashbacks. It would have been better if they just told the story straight out. Uh, but but Streep is incredible. She won the Oscar for it. It's no mystery why she becomes Margaret Thatcher. Although, Jules, when you saw it, you said you thought she was more like Julia Child than Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> no, I, I did. Yeah, you did. She's like, I thought it was more like Julia and Julia than Iron Lady. No, I don't know. I don't remember. All right. It was All right, just then. a hard one to get through. <laughs> okay. Now, this next one I'm torn about because when Dave announced this to me, I thought, oh, well, I'm a Dark Shadows fan. I need this. And then Dave told me how much this costs. And I said, I'm a human being. I'm not going to spend that kind of money <laughs> because I'm a grown man. <laughs> I'm not going to spend, was it, $465? Well, it was 500 and, 500 and some odd dollars. But Amazon has it on sale on pre-order right now. It's only 416 Oh, So it's well, like 100 bucks off. Well, there you go. I'll just give some and you plasma. Get like a, it's a 131 disc set. So what... Once you start hitting an obscene number like that, it's kind of, you kind of, well, maybe, if you're a hardcore fan, I could see someone, I guess. But you can watch Dark Shadows on Netflix. Do they have all all that on there? I think so. I think on That's the instant watch. I've been watching been it on watching Netflix, it. yeah. Okay. Well, this is, so this is the Dark Shadows complete original series, uh, and it comes in a coffin, right? Yes, it comes in a coffin case. Oh, Barry hates it when people do that. Well, I've got no room on my DVD shelf then, you know. Like the Battlestar Galactica one that had the robot head. Yes. Like, where am I going to put this? But it's a cool. Thing? It's or the one that cool. comes with the. Oh, the jacket, yeah. like the grease one. <laughs> There's one that I know you would get though. The American Pie one with the sock, or which one? <laughs> wow. With the two no, socks. I wasn't going to go there. No. Okay. No, no. I was going to talk about the the Japanese release of the Alien quadrilogy, where it was actually a, a sta- It was actually an alien head that opened up and had the discs in it. Oh my gosh! How much was that? It was like two hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah, like if it was something like that, but reasonably priced, I think you'd you'd do that one. I don't think he would because we have no room on our shelf for something. See, like I'd that. make room. You, 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 <laughs> I'd lo- make room. Love will find a way. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. to, after that, it becomes like you know, it becomes like this thing you have to explain. Like, what is that? Well, you see, it's the box set of Dukes of Hazard, and that's actually a pair of Daisy Dukes. But if you take it apart, it's actually a bunch of CDs. Which, with the Alien set, it's very easy to tell. You know, like, dude, that's awesome. You think that's cool, and then you open it up, and everyone loses their minds, and then it's all good. So. Okay. Wow, I don't know who's looking at your DVD collection, but nobody does that with ours. Yeah, says they, you don't have that kind of those kind of cases. Of course, I don't either anymore. So yeah, well, I don't think they look at my Max Headroom like, wow, that is the most incredible thing. It's lenticular. 
Wow. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's got a hologram yeah. in the front. How 80s. Uh, let's see. Rod Serling's Night Gallery Season 3, one of the great anthology horror shows of all time. Yes. The other film that came out this Christmas, no, not We Bought a... We, I almost said We Bought a Horse. We not, a zoo. Not, <laughs> not We Bought a Zoo or War Horse, but no, The Darkest Hour. This is uh, the Russian set thriller starring Emil Hirsch. Uh, in which a bunch of American teens are in Russia when an alien that sucks all of your power and all of your electricity comes. Um, for some reason, this actually played in theaters and didn't go straight to DVD. It's from the 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 trailer touted that it was from the visionary director of Wanted. I Dude. hate it when movies are from visionary directors. Okay, fair enough. They never say the visionary director of The Thin Red Line. No, it's the visionary director of, of 300. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. well, I, think that, I think Zack Snyder kind of ruined, they, they, they ruined that whole thing. Yes, the term because of, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's well, move on. Hopefully, we can see a lot of more of those. A trip to the moon, classic. One of the classic American American films. Shame on me. One of the classic works of cinema. Only fifteen minutes long, but my gosh, it's a limited edition Blu-ray steel book. It's like thirty bucks, but it the features on it are pretty freaking impressive. And then Sleeping Beauty. Let me talk about this for a second because I think... The Disney film? No, not the, oh, not the Disney oh, okay. film. I actually saw this one in the theater because I've heard it was quite good and I was quite wrong. Um, <laughs> Is this what you saw it up at Stars? Or? I saw okay. it at Stars. It was okay. there for a week and Jane Campion was the producer. So I thought, well, I trust and I love Jane Campion. Uh, Emily Browning, who I can't stand because of her work in Sucker Punch and the Lemony Snicket movie. But I thought, what the heck, I'll give it a shot. Let me just be very clear what this movie is about because everybody says, oh, it's so erotic and so sexy and all this stuff. It is about a young woman who agrees to be a very special kind of prostitute. What is that? Well, she agrees to be uh, put uh, under sedation. And while she's asleep, she never knows what the men do to her. But they're not allowed to have sex with her. They're allowed to do anything else. So basically what you see is she drinks this tea. She falls asleep. She's in this bed. These creepy dudes come in there and they basically like get naked with her and they snuggle with her. And that's the movie. That's what it's about. Um, There's no sex in this movie. There are certainly lots of nudity, but there's no sex. Uh, The film is terribly disturbing and disturbed. And it has one of those obvious punchlines that people could see coming a mile away. It's not worth anybody's time. This is one of the most pretentious, artsy-fartsy art movies I've seen in quite some time. Uh, I'd say it's up there with uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. It's one of those art films that came out last year that's just totally a waste of time, completely full of itself, not worth checking out. So Don't hold back, Barry. You've just been warned. Don't, don't, okay. On the other hand, a movie that everybody needs to see, this is the new documentary by Werner Herzog. It's called Into the Abyss. This is an interview with a, a death mate, a death row inmates, as well as people who are aware of the crime that led this guy to be on death. Death Row. This is a disturbing film. This is a challenging movie about Death Row. Uh, this is a film about a capital punishment, but it, it is not de- uh, Dead Man Walking. Um, it, it really doesn't. It sees all sides of the of the equation. It's very very challenging. I'm hoping it goes on Netflix. Yeah, so, yeah, I hope so too. It's a great film. I look forward to seeing it again. And then finally on Blu-ray, you got Street Streetcar Named Desire with arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Marlon Brando performance. And then James Mangold, <laughs> the director of Copland and 310 to Yuma and Walk the Line, he made a really cheeseball film early in his career called Kate and Leopold. Um, with, uh, but it's Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman and Breckenmeyer and Meg Ryan, who at that point, Meg Ryan was way too old to be making those kind of romantic comedies. Aww. Ouch. It's true. <laughs> it's true. She was way too old for that movie. You, you went there, sir. Brecken Meyer steals the movie as the brother, and and no question, Hugh Jackman is supposed to play you know the most polite, polite suitor of all time, and he's he's very charming, but 
Just see she's the man instead. <laughs> Just see she's the man instead. Heard there it from Julia. Go. Just yeah. see that instead. There All right. Wow. Okay. I think that's a heck of a way to end the, end the show, isn't it? It's all good. If you want to shoot us an email, by all means, do shoot it to podcast Barry, Dave, or Ethan all at screengeeks.com. Um, there have been site issues, but I'm very close to getting all those worked out. So the awesome. iTunes feed should be working and all that fun stuff, like within the next day or two. Um, yeah, fun times. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. We're like three weeks out from 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 Starfest. It's coming up fast. It really I, is. Yeah, that's like that realization just kind of hit me. It's wow. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a heck of a good time. Oh, yeah. What I love is digging into people's film filmographies and seeing, like, David Prowse. Yeah, you know him as Darth Vader, but he was also on the Benny Hill Show. Yeah. And in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I'm just, I love seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah, D. Wallace Stone. What an amazing filmography she has. Yes, yes. She, everybody. We're, it's, it's a pretty stinking solid uh, group there. Oh, Jed Rowan's coming back. We've we, talked to him a few we times. We love Jed. Jed's fun. Yes. Mr. Horror Movie. If I saw him walking down the street towards me in a dark alleyway... Why would I be in a dark alleyway? But if I was, and I saw him walking towards me, I would be terrified. This guy needs his own horror film. He's a he's a very he's a very gifted actor, but no question. I mean, great character actor. Absolutely, yeah. So, and he's coming with his film. What is it? The Ghastly Adventures of Johnny X or something like that's that? That's right. That's right. Have you seen the trailer for that? Not yet. I'll I'll show you in a minute here because it's it's impressive. Is it going to be another Dahmer versus Gacy? No, film? no. This okay. is like a black and white greaser movie musical wow. sci-fi. It looks very weird. Go Jed. Which should go well along with Christopher Mim doing Attack of the Moon Zombies. And I think we're going to have some fun this year. Yep, sounds good. So yeah, until next week, we'll have some fun in the meantime. But until then, this is Dave. This is Barry. Thanks for tuning in.